Welcome to the Soul's Way podcast. This is your host, Emily Ann Brandt. I am a proud First Nations Mohawk author, speaker, and mentor here to meet you at the intersection of personal development and decolonization. I truly believe that when we see ourselves and one another, mind, body, emotion, and most of all, soul and spirit, we can break through systematic, ancestral, and generational ways of being that we came here to disrupt and rise above. We can lean into the ways that heal our spirits. I know we can do this through honest conversations, radical responsibility, and healing together in community. Through my stories and the incredible conversations with some truly amazing guests, my hope is that you leave each episode with a more open heart and that you feel emboldened in your medicine and your voice, knowing your ripple effect matters. Our ripple effect matters. Thank you for being here. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Today on the podcast, we are talking to Kara Kovacs, who is an intersectional feminist business coach on a mission to help progressive leaders have their income match their impact. She was named as 2019's um, one of 35 people under 35 to watch in wellness by Wonderlust. She's a champion for leveraging the magic of mission-driven businesses to help build an ethical social future. Um, so I absolutely love this. There's, I'll include Kara's full bio in the show notes here, but I don't want to just sit here and read through a bio. I want you to get to know Kara by listening to this conversation, and you'll see, you'll see pretty quickly why Kara and I connected and found each other on Instagram and just had so many things that we are aligned on. I think we need more people doing work like Kara is doing the way she leads with such just honesty. Um, sharing from her own learnings, her own journey, and always being transparent. You know that I'm here for that. I know that you're here for that. And I know that you will be very into this conversation. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with Kara Kovacs. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Soul's Wave podcast. I'm sitting here with Kara Kovacs today. We have been talking on Instagram for a while now, Instagram friends, and just such big fans of each other's work and have been meaning to sit down and do some sort of collaboration, some sort of conversation for you all, because there's so much that we're so aligned on and um, that we have to talk about. But before we get into it, um, Kara, hi, I'll let you say hi to everyone and introduce yourself before we dive in. Hello, new friends, and nice to finally meet you in a Zoom room. Emily, I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, I am a business coach for people who want to have their income match their impact, and I really center a customized process in business building. I think uh, the coaching industry at large sells it almost kind of like a get rich quick scheme, which statistically, and we can talk about this in our conversation, is going to leave a lot of people disappointed. And so I'm really passionate about helping people figure out how to b- build the foundation and the infrastructure for the businesses that work for them using an ethical lens. And we can also talk a little bit about my history and where that all comes from. But yeah, I'm just really excited to be yes. here with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm like, yes, yeah so much that I already want to unpack. Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) I love all of that so much. Um, And I also love that you talk about being an intersectional feminist business Mm -hmm. coach, which we love. We love that here, um, here for it. And yeah, I would love to hear more about like how you got into doing this work. What kind of experiences did you have with coaching or um, with business that led you into doing this? You know, I don't think I've ever gone all the way, all the way, all the way back on a podcast before, but I think the intersectional feminist piece, it feels relevant to say this. I had like a B average in high school and I uh, wanted to get into University of Florida and like it was the best school in Florida. And they were like, if you have a B average applying for psychology, you don't have as good of a chance of getting in as if you would apply for like a more niche major. And if you apply to be a women's studies major, you will have a better chance of getting in. That's what my academic advisor told me. So I became a women's studies major by accident. And I remember the first class I ever audited was intersectional feminist perspectives on women. And I was in a queer relationship at the time in the deep South. I was terrified of being outed, which is 
you know, it's interesting to be like, you're a women's studies major at like a relatively liberal university and afraid of people figuring out you were in a queer relationship, like the dynamics of that, uh, we could get into another time. But yeah, I became a women's studies major on accident and it has shaped so, so much of my work. Um, because I originally thought I was going to go into private practice therapy and that I would become a social worker. And when I went to grad school, I realized I was spending more for a year of grad school than I was going to make in a year as a social worker. And I just didn't have any way of conceptualizing how I would be able to financially afford my life. Like, yeah. There weren't people in my family who could help me. I was like, oh, I'm literally paying $60,000 a year to be in debt indefinitely and live paycheck to paycheck. And I didn't want to do that. And so the coaching industry, I also entered into it with this promise of unlimited income. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been a multi-six figure earner for the last four years, and I definitely have a high income goal for my business. And like, I've scaled it multiple times and reconfigured it to continue to do that. But it's really always been rooted in my education and this equity lens, like the first place that I ever saw clients was at a nonprofit legal services agency. I worked at a domestic violence center and also being a queer person and a disabled person and a polyamorous person. I think so much of who I am as a person is about deconstructing social norms. And I think entrepreneurship mm -hmm. is like that too. Like in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to deeply question like, do I need a 401k? Do I need to take this traditional academic path? Do I need to have a job? Like, are these the things that make me feel safe? Um, and it's the same in queerness or in polyamory, like what makes a relationship valuable? What makes love real? And it's like looking at what society told us the way a thing should be and then saying, well, that's not actually how I want to do it personally. So how do I want to do it personally? It has been a passion in every facet of my life. And now I teach that to other entrepreneurs. <laughs> yes. And I think so good. I think it's so important to highlight too, that like you didn't just go, Ooh, coaching looks like something where you can make a lot of money. You already were like studying <laughs> psychology and counseling and like had that heart for helping other people. And I think that's, yeah, that's a perfect segue into what I want to talk about next, which is like, what even is coaching actually all about and how do we return to that? And I want us to talk about like, or maybe riff or rant about like, <laughs> yeah, what coaching is not and truly what it is or what it, what it is at the core of it, at the soul of it, what we need to yeah return to. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, it still is a relatively new industry, right? Like it's been around for a couple of decades, but it's a, a tool that has been used at companies and nonprofits and education settings and community groups for much, much longer than that. Um, I like to think of it as a behavioral science and, you know, it is something that you need training in. Uh, I would say yes. it's like not necessarily do you need a certification. I, I Certifications are made up. Degrees are made up. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked about this on other podcasts that I've worked with so many people who have gotten MFAs who like the career path is like now teach other people to get MFAs. So yeah. we could look at how like lots of industries have this sort of like you buy into the training so you can teach other people the training kind of a model, which is what a pyramid scheme is. Um, but coaching at its core is a, a really deep process of helping people heal something in themselves or achieve something that they've been trying to work towards or open and see something in a new perspective that then transforms their life. And that's why I think you and I love it, like that we get to do that really cool, deep, potent work with people. And yeah. the kind of like internet marketing get your first 10 clients in your first six months so that you can make 100K, the question that that leaves me with is always like, okay, but what are you talking to the clients about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you, yeah. you're selling people that they can like, and, and then you see posts or reels that are like, ways to make 100K before the end of the year, sell 10 packages at $10,000. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay, but what's in the package? Yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you what's selling? happening in these? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what's coming up for you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So okay. 
so much to unpack. I want to go back for a second to what you said, just to add to what you said about coaching being like a relatively new industry. This is true, but coaching as like a practice is, is ancient. It's indigenous. Like it's an elder passing wisdom down to a younger generation, right? It's the local healer. It's the local Oracle that you go see and they didn't need certifications. They would get their messages and um, their things through dreams. And that was held as very like highly regarded. Right. And um, now it's like, Oh, but what credentials do you have? And where did you go to school? Um, Which is the cool thing about coaching as an industry is that, like you said, you don't need those colonial credentials necessarily, or a piece of paper to tell you that, yes, you're allowed to do this, but you do need a skill set. You don't just need to learn how to market. And I think um, my friend Shireen Eskandani also talks about this all the time is that so many people are more focused on how to how to market and how to make money as a coach than actually investing into their skills of holding space, especially when doing such deep work, when folks have so much trauma, so many layers and levels of their identity, like privileges or um, marginalized identities that they hold, like so much that requires skill and education and training and awareness. Um, and so, yeah, so like my trainings focus more around the decolonizing part of it so that people can have more awareness uh, around those layers of identity and those nuances. Um, but yours is cool too, because it focuses on helping people um, build business models that work for them. Um, and in a world that like has so much noise about certain ways of scaling and growing, you help people actually find what's good and true for them. Um, so yeah, do you want to talk about that a little bit? And like, we can unpack more too about the <laughs> the coaches yeah. and what's actually inside <laughs> those containers. I mean, we wouldn't know, right? Because we haven't purchased them. <laughs> oh, I have. I have. Oh, okay. I'm ashamed to say. (laughs) Well, and I think I'm glad you bring that up because what I was going to say is a big part of the reason that I transitioned my my business model was from learning from my clients. Like when I became a coach, I sent out an email today that was like, when I became a coach, I was trying to make 200K as quickly as possible too, because that was the whole point. I was living Mm -hmm. alone in New York City and I didn't know how I was going to be able to afford being diabetic in America. Like it was, there was a pretty big you know, incentive to try to make money very quickly. And I think too, like, I always like to think of money as the tool and freedom as the goal. So when I coach people on money, I think there's a really important distinction to be made of like, it's not about hoarding material resources or accumulating as much wealth as possible. It's about creating a level of ease in your own life to do what you need to do without feeling like, really stressed or taxed in this system that we happen to live in. And that number is going to be different for different people. And that's something I learned from my clients because I've always attracted a really cool, like the, the, my first round of my mastermind, they started a podcast, actually I'll plug them uh, independently of me called full-time weirdos. Like my community is like the like witchy, you know, uh, witchy weird people. (laughs) Like that's my community. I love them. And they were sort of like, I don't think I need to make five figure months. I just want to replace mm-hmm. my income and make like an extra thousand or $2,000 a month more so that I have a little bit more flexibility and can save better. And I was like, oh yeah, like if that's what you want, then let's build you that instead. And then I was looking at this trend in the marketing, you know, the industry has doubled since 2019. There was a study by the Uh, International Coaching Federation, there were 50,000 coaches in 2019. Now there are 109,000. I think it's a a great time to become a coach. Like we had a global pandemic and people were trying to figure out how to start online businesses. So when you see a bunch of people on Instagram saying you can make 100K doing this and you are like, I just got terminated from my job, it seems like a good idea. Um, But 99% of coaches don't ever hit that 200k mark and I, yes. and that's such a it's a number that really doesn't even actually like mean 
anything. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. what does the number mean? Like, I know some people who are making a salary of 120 or 150 K a year. And like, that's incredible for them. I also know, like I live in Los Angeles. Um, if you're making hundred K here in LA, there was a study that showed that that's the same as making $37,000 a year. Like gas is $6 a gallon right now. You know, there's a gas station yeah. across my street. I see it going up. Like life is expensive. I don't want to be in a in a space where I feel just in such opposition to the way in which I generate the money that I use to live my life. I want to be in a generative relationship with that. And I also want to use that money to fund the social systems that we need changing, like white men control 98% of capital wealth. What research do you think is getting funded? What political campaigns are getting funded? Who's donating to save the, the environment? Like when people who care about the world in the way that you and I, you know, have similar values, like we redistribute that capital more ethically, it behooves us for the kind of people I like to work with to be making more money. So I'm very, very down for like yeah. that way of relating to building wealth. But like, let's do it in the way that works for you. Is it 100k? Is it 200k? Is it 500k? Like I work with large companies as well. Um, I want to build ethical business models. And like, it's not an arbitrary number. It's a number based on your expenses and your goals. And if you can figure out what those are, that's really healing too, because it requires you to actually look at your money as opposed to avoiding looking at your money and thinking, well, when I hit this amount of money, then I'll feel better. And then following like some kind of template that says that you're going to like manifest your way there and then it doesn't work and you feel like you wasted your money and you're in relatively the same position, which is just happening to too many people who want to do good work in our industry. I went so, on the rant. So many people. Oh, I'm so here <laughs> for the rant. So many people. And yeah, I was one of those people that fell into that trap. And like my friend said it, like, um, how did she say it? She was like, I got intoxicated by the millionaire coach lifestyle, like totally. And I was like, oh my gosh, same, like totally got caught up in it. And multiple times invested in like high ticket, like five figure investments to work in masterminds or in close proximity to these coaches who are making, you know, multiple six or seven figures. And I'll tell you what's inside is a lot of, <laughs> there is no, I mean, then that's not what you're signing up for. You're signing up to learn um, like what their marketing is that they could teach you how to grow your business and, you know, make more money. So that is what you're signing up for, to be fair but you're not getting like, this is how you skillfully care for a client. This is how you hold a session. This is how you have uncomfortable conversations. This is how you navigate this or this. It's all just fluff, honestly, like fluff. And I guess in some cases I learned some good marketing things, but a lot of them just like didn't feel good in my body, didn't resonate with my bones, didn't resonate with my ancestry, my way of being um, with my indigenous spirit. It was all very clear that it was modeled after like colonial, patriarchal, very capitalist ways of being where it's like, hold your power. You're the authority, you're the expert and you're up here and your clients are down here and you know what they need. And so you have to tell them what they need and you have to sell them this and just work on your money mindset and just believe in your quantum leaps right around the corner. I can mm. feel it. I'm not worried about you. I trust you. And it's like, that's great. And I need like tangible skills too, a for marketing, but also um, for being a coach and, and being the best like space holder that I can be. And so a few times I bought into programs because the coach is so skilled at marketing that I'm like, oh, dang, like, yeah, this, this sounds good. I want in. And then once you're in, like, once you see behind the curtains, it's like so disappointing. And you're like, this is it. It feels like you just got like bamboozled. And I know that that happened to so many of my peers and they are so terrified to speak up and say like, this isn't what I was expecting. This, this is, mm. I'm not getting very much value from money. Like I know so many of us had that experience and that feeling in some of these masterminds we were in, but everyone's just so scared to say anything because there's that like power dynamic. And there mm -hmm. is like, there's dynamics in so many ways, there's power dynamics. There's like the wealth power, um, the wealth gap, but there's also like 
these coaches have lots of influence over people. They have lots of power. They have lots of control. And it's also very easy to get very manipulated and very brainwashed. Mm -hmm. And I think when people are, like you said, too, like in awful financial circumstance, which a lot of people right now um, in the United States and in Canada are, it's like, yeah, you're, of course, you're going to do whatever this coach who is making millions is telling you to do because you're like, well, they must know the thing. And um, sometimes that pulls you astray from doing what actually feels good to you and your heart and your ways of being. Um, so I think that's how just, yeah, how it happens and how people get caught up. And it's unfortunate that it takes us so far away from what coaching actually is and should be. Mm. Oh, there's so much I want to say to what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <Please> I, <laughs> one, I don't want to misrepresent myself as someone who hasn't bought something that I then regretted because that has absolutely happened yeah. to me. Um, and I've definitely also taught things like my sales pages in 2020 said oh, like same. manifest your first five figure month also. So like yeah. both want to call myself out and, and name like, I've joined things that I've then left. I remember the the first high-end mastermind I actually ever joined. I joined because there was a whole statement about diversity and inclusivity, like as a clause on the page. Yeah. And then I, I got there and it was a room full of white women and uh, one Latina woman. And there was a, like a microaggression that happened pretty immediately that I'm not going to go into, but I like went and I said, Hey, this happened in the space. Like I need a refund. I can't do professional development in a room like this. And like you advertised it this way and it was not this way. And I got a refund. And I know that that's like extremely rare in the industry. (laughs) Just to get the refund. Yeah. No refund policy. And I also know like I'm just happen to be the particular kind of person who will stand up and say like, I'm not down for this, even mm-hmm. if it makes everybody else uncomfortable. Like that's a thing about, I'm like, oh, that was going to make anybody, everybody uncomfortable. I didn't even realize, like, I'm not <laughs> saying I was brave. It's like almost a character flaw because uh, <laughs> I'm just like put myself in the firing line and be like, I didn't realize that was going to be awkward, whatever. Um, but it actually was a really great thing because she invited me b- before I left to speak to everybody in the room and address what had happened. And I addressed it. And like, we had a conversation. I'm not saying that every room is like that. I'm not saying that it it would necessarily go that way, but it, I felt like, yeah, she sold me something that wasn't right for me. And she took accountability and created the space to try to rectify that, not just for me, but also for the woman who had experienced the microaggression. And so I just think that there are ways that when you're either delusional enough to uh, say something (laughs) or courageous enough to say something that like there can be a positive impact made. So I just wanted to share that anecdote to encourage people, um, that if something is arising in a container, like I'm always the one to say, hey, and I don't say it in a way that's aggressive. I say it in a way of like, this was the impact that I'm experiencing from that happening. How do you feel about things like that happening in your containers? As opposed to like, you should have done this or this is wrong um, and trying to have a generative conversation about it. So I wanted to name that. The second thing I wanted to name was what you were saying about coaches sort of like putting them in a position of power. It's like they're making more money or they have more experience. Coaching is not a hierarchy. Like the way that I think about my work is I'm essentially uh, a contractor that you've hired to advise you on what it is that you're building. Like it's your business, it's your vision, it's your dream. Um, I am not like superior or in some kind of hierarchy over you. I do have a skill set that you are purchasing my advice and support and supervision and mentorship. Um, But ultimately, it's like your thing. So the second that there is a presumption that I know better than you what you should do for your own life, there is a power dynamic that is happening inside of the container that is bad for everybody involved. It's bad for the client because it means that they are trusting the coach more than themselves, which I'm very Mm -hmm. careful. Like when somebody comes to me in a session, if they're having a bad day and they had an argument with their partner, I'm hearing their perception of the argument. They could come back to the next session and be like, oh, that was totally a misunderstanding. And if I give them advice about what they should do when they only have 20% of the information and then they take that advice, like that has real world 
dire consequences. The same with when you're like, okay, buy into this thing. You can figure out how to pay me in full. It's like, I I had a coach who I terminated with who bragged about how like a woman had gone and gotten a high interest bank loan to make sure that she could pay in full. And the thing I want to say about that, because like one of the reasons I left that container was I wanted to scale my business, but I didn't want to raise my one-on-one rates. And I was being told that in order Mm -hmm. to like graduate (laughs) to the next level, of what I was doing that I could phase out payment plans that I was ready to only accept paid in full clients and that the most committed clients would figure out how to pay in full. And the issue with that oh. to me seems like it's like not even dramatic. The reason I like coaching on money so much is for me, it's like not dramatic. Like the, the money is not dramatic if you're not trying to manipulate people. It's just the yeah. cost of goods and services. Like you don't go to a restaurant and be like, can I get the steak for the price of the spaghetti? Cause I can't afford the steak, but I can't afford the spaghetti. Like nobody is having that conversation. Um, but I was like mm-hmm. thinking about how for a white man who maybe has savings or good credit or access to generational wealth and can like borrow money from a relative, the buy-in to pay in full may feel like a big investment. It may feel scary. It may feel like something that you have feelings about, but the difference between that process and someone who doesn't have access to generational wealth, maybe doesn't have good credit and is getting perhaps um, an unfair interest rate at an institutional like bank who's cutting the loan because they Mm -hmm. are being prejudiced against the person should not have to one, even go through that process (laughs) to buy into coaching in the first place and two pay the penalty on the interest. So Mm -hmm. like And like people of color and women couldn't even have credit cards until the seventies. So the fact that like, we are just taking that perspective out of this idea that if people were really committed, they would pay in full. It's not even logical to be like, I'm just like, that doesn't even make any sense. So I guess I can't build my business this way. And I have to like, go figure out how to do it a different way. And that's really been the process that I've been in, in the last two years of just like, okay, I'm not raising my one-on-one rates anymore, but I do want to make more money. I want to retire my mom. I live in Los Angeles and I need to make more money if I'm going to buy a house Mm -hmm. ever. Like I'm probably in the top 1% of earners in my age bracket and I can afford a one bedroom apartment. Like it's ridiculous. (laughs) So like, yeah, I do want to make more money, um, but I'm not like putting it onto my one-on-one clients to make a difference. (laughs) Like that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just like stupid. I just keep ranting. I'll stop. <laughs> I love it. I was so here for it. And no, it's so true. It's so true. And I, I really, I live in the greater Toronto area and like the cost of living is absolute insanity here. And so I was telling my friend who had a different opinion, like not everyone needs, not everyone needs to be a millionaire. Like we we're talking about money. I am always clear, like I am not anti-money. I am not against people making money. Money is a health, like a resource that we all need. Um, we just do to 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 survive um and to thrive. And then, like you said, like those of us who have this heart for helping others, we're naturally giving people anyway. And people of the global majority and indigenous people, we are naturally a giving people. We're gonna help our community, we're gonna help our neighbors, and we can't do that if we're not even surviving ourselves, right? If we can't keep our lights on, if we can't pay our bills. And um, so anyways, I was telling my friend like, oh no, I minimum need to be a millionaire to like, you have to be to have a house here, like a house, a townhouse that is semi-detached, like not even a a private driveway or anything is over a million dollars just for a bare minimum in like a fairly safe area. So like you need, you need that. Um, But I agree what you're saying. That's not on your one-on-one clients to have to pay for your cost of living or your choice of where you're living. Um, So yeah, thanks for sharing that story. I have lots of stories like that, unfortunately, just from, yes, there's so much of that culture out there in the coaching industry. And that's why I think the work you're doing is so important um, and why I'm so passionate about it. So So how can people begin to build a business in a way that like a model that really works for them amongst all this outside noise? Yeah. So a few things, I think that there's just like the strategy that works for you. So something I'm really passionate about teaching people is not 
how to do what I did or how to optimize mm. your Instagram content for conversions. The algorithm is changing all the time. I've seen like a significant decrease in my engagement. Like the majority of my business comes from interpersonal relationships and my email list and my podcast. So like, yeah, I'm on social media, but like, I don't love it. And like, it's not my favorite thing. And I think for a lot of people, they think like, that's the thing that they need mm -hmm. to do. So, and I'm not saying don't use it. Some of my clients, like they genuinely have so much fun on it. And it's like such a great strategy for them. So the way that I work with people is really figuring out like, what is the best method for you to share about what it is that you do in a way that feels congruent for you and that you yeah. actually enjoy. Now there is coaching on that, right? Like some people, they even get tripped up just telling other people that they are a coach. Like they feel anxious to say that. So mm -hmm. depending on who I'm working with and in my one-on-one -on -one practice, I really at this point only work with established entrepreneurs because I want you to make your money back. Like I would not take yeah. a, a completely new entrepreneur into my one-on-one -on -one practice because I love y'all, but I can't guarantee you a return on investment. I want to work with somebody who already knows how to sell, what they're selling, why they're selling it, and then optimize their infrastructure so that they can do it with more ease and more financial success. Um, but in my program Business Witch, which is my signature offering. That's like the best space for new entrepreneurs. And it's also the best space for some people who are have been doing this, but they haven't created consistent results. Um, and it's really about taking a customized approach. And we have four modules in the program, but I want to talk specifically about module two because it relates to money and it relates to what it is that we're talking about, where I put a spreadsheet in that you basically like... <clears throat> go through and you write down all of your expenses and you can include in those expenses, things like charitable giving, your desire mm -hmm. to afford your own one-on-one -on -one coach and like actually look at how much money you need to make. And I think yeah. so many people have never even bothered doing this because they think it's going to take a long time or it's going to feel really queasy to be like, oh my God, I'm spending how much? And it's like, that's actually the money healing is to confront yeah. how mm -hmm. you're using your resources. One of my favorite books on money is The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. Have you yes. read it? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Love that book. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how um, money flows like a river, like it's meant to be something that is moved. Now in my work, mm -hmm. this is an opinion. It's not a fact. I teach money is not energy. Like if money was energy, it was attracted to really shitty people for the majority of human history. So like, I don't think that money is like an entity. Money is a tool. The energy behind money is the energy that you have. And so if your energy is like, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to figure out like how much it is. I'll just somehow yeah. figure out how to create it with a while simultaneously avoiding dealing with it. Like yeah. you have some, some work to do my love. Uh, so in the program, it's like you go through and you write down all of your expenses. And then there's a second sheet that is like, okay, what are your rates? And then you can play with your rates for your offers yeah. to meet your expenses. And the thing about knowing that is when you get on an enrollment call with someone and they are nervous about the expense, you are not assigning an arbitrary number or like some weird things that we hear in the coaching industry, like charge your worth, which is like, yes. it, what does that even, what does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Or like, trying to convince somebody to pay your rate and then you don't even feel confident about it. So you yeah. like talk, you walk yourself back. If your rate is what you need to make the expenses for your business, it's like mm -hmm. not a dramatic thing. Yeah, <laughs> like it's I said, so congruent. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, this is the price. And then like for me, I was like, okay, I want to scale, but I'm not raising my rates. So I need to build a new offer to fill in the gaps, which is literally where this program came from. Mm -hmm. I was like, if I can teach uh, people who are new how to build this a custom way yeah. for themselves, and I can run as many people as possible through that program and actually get to know them, because that's been a really cool thing too. You get direct coaching support from me. So I've been like meeting people and like can actually track their progress and the program for the people who show up to the live calls. Um, I've been able to see like, oh, wow, this works. And people who use it successfully, they can apply the cost of the course to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. So I'm actually helping people create the level of uh, success mm -hmm. in their businesses that then would qualify them to be in my one-on-one -on -one practice. So it's been a really cool creation of like, 
reciprocity. Like people yeah. are very proactive. They're like supporting each other. It's helped me scale my revenue goals. And then it's also helped me create really deep relationships with people who trust me enough to hire them one-on-one, -on -one, which is my preferred way of working with people. Like I'm not trying to sell you a high ticket coaching container through converting you from an Instagram post, I actually want to know what your mission is. And if I feel like I can help you make a bigger impact with it before I know if I want to work with you, that's just me personally, not everybody works that way, but that's how I like to work. Um, so it's been really cool to see that with people. And then I'll, I just want to speak briefly to module four. Module four is about how to coach people on money with an ethics-based perspective. Because mm -hmm. I think the the other component of this is like, if you feel uncomfortable in your, in your body about all of the financial parts of like, oh, I love the actual coaching, but I hate coaching on money, or I don't know how to coach on objections. So I just like let people walk off into the night. It's likely because the method that you were taught or the pricing that you have does not align with your values. So when we align right. your business model with your values, coaching on money is not dramatic. It's actually just as deep as probably a lot of the other things that you coach on. And if you're going to go there with your clients, like you really also need to be able to go into these other topics and you can't take anybody anywhere you're unwilling to go yourself. And so I'm really passionate about teaching people how to do that. And like, I have sliding scale, you can use tiered pricing. Like there's a whole tiered pricing model. You can be profitable with tiered pricing. My mentor runs a seven figure business. She has always had sliding scale and flexible payment plans. That is why I have sliding scale and flexible payment plans. And like, I'm running a really, really successful company that way. And I think we need more models for that and not enough of them exist online. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk more about like the people who want to, they want to have accessible pricing because they have the heart to, to help everyone and they want everyone to be able to access their offers, but they are just starting out or they are in a place where they really do need money. They can't afford to be giving scholarships and discounts, you know, left, right, and center. Um, this is something that I'm passionate about talking about. I, I talk about it in my program too. Um, but I'm curious for you, like, what do you say to people who want to offer that, but they're in that position? How do you approach a, like a sliding scale or discounts? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is if you are putting pressure on your business to be the thing that makes you feel safe about your financial situation, you should probably get a side hustle. Amen. <laughs> say that all the time. Like yeah. I had so many side hustles for the first two years of my business and we live in the gig economy. Like you could yeah. support another coach. Like there's, you know, great websites mm -hmm. where people are looking for like VAs and you could be making money doing that. Like the, it's yeah. the same thing as saying when I wanted to scale, I'm not, say, I'm not like, oh, I want to make more money. So I'm going to just double my one-on-one -on -one rates arbitrarily so that my one-on-one -on -one yeah. clients can pay my salary increase. It's the same thing when you're like, I hope this person enrolls with me so that I can make my rent payment. Like yeah. you're completely incapable in an enrollment call like that to be present only to the client and not have an agenda that depreciates yeah. the quality of the service that you're offering. And I understand that people don't do that with malice, but like really think about how it would feel to be on the receiving end of that yeah. kind of a conversation. So like, just stop doing that and go like yeah. drive for Uber Eats. Like it's yep. fine. And it, it, yeah, it makes you do when there's that type of pressure, it makes you do things that are out of alignment that you wouldn't normally do or sell in a way you wouldn't normally sell. And I'm speaking from experience when I say that, like, this is a lesson I wish I learned a long time ago is like not to put all the pressure on my high ticket clients or on my business in general to be my main income. Like it's just, it's too much until also, you get like that foundation built up then yes. Okay. If that feels good, but yeah. And also this is a little bit of a spicy take too, but it's like, if that is the position that you're in, why do you think that your rates should be that high. Like right, you have to get right. experience. Yeah. Like I sold my first package $400 for four sessions. I led three very powerful sessions. And the fourth session, I was like, God, I don't, I used all of the things that I've learned. I gave her Reiki like for the fourth session, you know, I was just like, I, I and then an Oracle card reading. Cause that was one of my side hustles at the time. I was doing card readings all over mm -hmm. New York city. And 
it took me like working with people to figure out how I liked to work. So unless you're coming into this yeah, profession it where it's like you've been coaching inside of an organization or you have some kind of clinical training and experience, which I did and I had been certified and I still needed time to figure this out. Like, mm-hmm. I think that there's a, a question to be asked of like, do you really have any business asking people for three or four or five thousand dollars when you're not even really sure what the shape of it is? And yeah. and you can feel that inside your body. You feel so anxious about them saying yes. And you feel so anxious about your own efficacy, but because like another program told you, you can charge 10 K for this. Oh, you're worth. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, you have all this mind drama going on inside of yourself. And like, honestly, I think about it this way too. Like, would you want the, the surgeon who is like still in med school operating on your brain or would you want the surgeon who's like been in the game a little bit longer operating on your brain? And then what what really also happens in coaching, which I think is uh, a sad thing about the industry right now is like, would you want the guy who's like operating on squirrels brains in his backyard saying, I'm going to save up to go to med school eventually, but maybe I can like get some money from people by selling them this thing in order to pay for that, which is why I'm very Mm -hmm. much like, I don't think everybody needs coaches hundred percent of the time. I don't have a one-on-one coach right now. I am in an equity based uh, community and like in another like coaching community, but I don't have a one-on-one coach right now. I think it can actually be really valuable to be like, I think I want to connect to my own intuition instead of just outsourcing my intellectual property and all of my problems constantly. Um, But if you have never had a one-on-one coach and you are selling one-on-one coaching, how does it feel to be selling something you have never experienced? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So get, get, get your reps in, get your reps in. Yeah. It's the same in every field too. Like, um, I was listening to a podcast with a psychotherapist who was like, oh, I would never go see a therapist who's not in therapy themselves or has been in therapy. Like what? But there's so many that haven't. And it's just like, what? It makes no sense. Um, So yeah, make it make sense. Walk your, walk your walk people. Yeah. I would just talk your talk. Um, Yeah. So juicy. Okay, so we <laughs> talked about the sliding scale thing. We talked about, um, let's talk just a little bit more before we wrap up about like coaching on or talking about money, I guess, ethically, even though we've already talked about it so much. Is there anything else you would want to add just kind of as we close out today? I think the main thing is just ask consent to coach on objections. Like some mm. people's objections yeah. are legitimate, you know, like, yeah. I, there's a community I'm no longer a part of where this guy who is like a multi seven figure earner in that community calls people's objections, flimsy little doors to bust through. And and I'm just like, from a consent based perspective, like if, you know, as somebody who's like sex positive and in sex positive communities, like you have to like ask consent to like touch somebody's arm. <laughs> like yeah. there is something so vulnerable about getting into a conversation with someone about their finances. And the thing yeah. that is really vulnerable about it is like, yeah, sometimes I'm talking to someone who has $30,000 in their savings account. Who's like, I can't afford coaching because I told myself I was not going to touch my savings account. Whereas I'm talking to somebody else who's like, I can't afford coaching because if they paid me, it would like make it difficult for them to meet their basic needs. Yeah. Those are two really different situations. And if somebody says I can't afford it and I, as the coach feel anxiety about coming off as pushy. um, And I just say like, okay, why don't you go think about it instead of actually leaning in to have a real conversation about what's going on. I'm doing them and myself a disservice because there are people who legitimately cannot afford it. And then there are people who like, they're saying that, and then there's a whole story behind it that you could really do some powerful coaching on. But like the person has to want that. And that goes back to like, this is not a hierarchy. I don't know your life better than you. You are the sovereign authority on your life. 
So when I ask consent, like, you know, the money thing is usually the most uncomfortable part of the conversation for most people that I talk to. I have certainly been in your seat and it has been anxiety inducing for me too. I have found that for people who are open to it, it can be a really juicy place to go. Do you want to talk about it with me? And then I get really specific with people because I don't feel uncomfortable getting specific with people because I've asked them for consent. So like, what Mm -hmm. would be the implications of you actually investing in this? Is your fear that if you do not make this money back, that you're going to be in a very precarious financial situation? Uh, Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? And like, really actually going there as opposed to like, well, could you make the, like, could you manifest it if you did it? Usually people like will launch something and then they'll fill their program and then they'll make their money back. And it's like, I know that I can't promise people that, which is part of the reason that I don't work with newer entrepreneurs in my one-on-one practice. I want people who are already able to scale what it is that we are doing. Um, But I think we all miss out on an opportunity to have probably like for most of my clients and I would say for myself, a conversation that can shift somebody from being on the fence to like really taking the leap by just avoiding the conversation altogether. Or you lean in and you really help them understand maybe why they can't afford it. And then you can offer pricing accommodation or you can make a plan to touch base with them in six months. And you have like Mm. the reality of what's going on and not some vague conversation you both avoided having because you felt uncomfortable. Mm, I love that. That's like, this is good coaching for me because I am the person that just like, if someone tells me they, they want to join my thing and they're saving up for it, that they can't afford it right now. I'm just like, okay, I believe you. And I trust you and I trust your timing. That's great. And then I don't, I don't like follow up with them. I, and I, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Like time will tell if they actually do come, come back around and join. But I'm, for me, I'm also in a different position where I'm like, my business is not my main income anymore. And it really is like the funding for it is, is what allows us to keep bringing in guest speakers and keeps paying for my energy and time. But it's not like this, like, and I need a certain amount of people to pay my bills Mm -hmm. or, and I'm not saying that that's your, that's your motive for leaning in, but you're right. Like there's opportunities that are probably being missed there and in, in conversations that that my person that person might actually feel like oh I feel really supported and like you personally took the time to care and and because they do really want to join the thing and um they are also sad when they're saying like I want in but I can't afford it because if they didn't they just would they would just ghost you they wouldn't even message you about it right like yeah what would be the point of someone messaging me to say hey i'm saving up for your program i can't wait to join if they didn't actually mean it so and for some people like you know very very legit i had somebody who yeah. lives in another country say like in terms of the exchange rate there's like literally no way that i could afford this and then i got to be like okay like what would you feel comfortable paying like access is important to me Mm-hmm. Like name, name your rate. And the thing is, is anytime I've asked, that's how I've generally operated sliding scale is I tell people to name their own rate and people want to pay the service provider from a place yeah. of respecting the work. And mm-hmm. like, actually, sure. Maybe there's like a couple people out there that are going to take you to town that like, don't have good intentions. That's the cost of doing business. It happens. But like, I like to be in in right relationship with yeah. my people. And so when I offer pricing accommodations, it's a name your own rate kind of a thing. Um, the last thing I'll say about the like letting people walk off into the night when they say that they can't afford it <laughs> is like, for some people that is legitimate, but 90% of the time there's a conversation that's not being had about what it's actually about. So right. mm-hmm. I, I'm interested in that conversation from the perspective of like the real art of coaching is having the conversation that's not being had that they maybe subconsciously haven't even had themselves. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's the coolest part of my job is to help people find clarity that they wouldn't have otherwise, but you have to have consent to go there with anybody. And once yeah. somebody is inside a container with me, it's like they've opted into doing that kind of deep exploration, even on an enrollment call. Like I don't have the authority to say like, well, you could see this differently. Here's some perspective without asking their permission to provide it. 
I want to mm -hmm. offer a resource uh, to your community. I just taught a class on this called Ethical Enrollments. I will give you the replay to put in the show notes for people. Yeah, and it's my enrollment call model. And it walks you through the entire process of like getting consent, creating a follow-up. And I think it the reason I taught it is wow. like, People should not be nervous on enrollment calls. Enrollment calls are fun. Like you get to meet new people, even if they don't enroll, maybe they do come back in six months. And they're some of the deepest coaching opportunities that we have. So if you're anxious, like you're yeah. not with the client, you are somewhere else. And that makes our industry look bad. And yeah. my entire business exists to make our industry look better. <laughs> <laughs> we need it. <laughs> so I'll send you that when we get off of this. And yes, people can please. watch it and let me know how they like it. <laughs> okay, amazing. Please do. And also let us know about your your paid offers. Tell us how folks can enroll with you and work with you. So Business Witch launches three times a year, every earth sign season, Virgo, cool. Capricorn, and Taurus, because those are my money houses. I also it. am like a big astrology person. Um, it's four modules. Module one is your mission and your values. So building your sales and marketing specifically from your mission and your values. That's how I teach sales and marketing. Your mission is your best sales pitch. It's what attracted me to your work, Emily. It's like, you have a very specific mission. You're speaking to a very specific kind of person. And for the person who resonates with that, they're going to be actively engaged with your work. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to scale a coaching practice, yes. especially now when there are so many of us that are all teaching relatively the same models that we learned from somebody else, just repeating those things over and over again. If you're not sure like what distinguishes you in the industry yet, uh, business switch module one will help you do that. Module two is all the financial planning that we talked about already. Module three is trauma-informed care, coaching, um, ethics, and efficacy. You are not trauma-informed if you take my program. Make no mistake, it takes more work than being in a four-module, four-month program to be trauma-informed. But it talks about how to create safety for our clients. Uh, ways to deal with client miscommunications, refunds. Um, there's an entire resource guide for all my favorite like DEI and trauma-informed work so that you can go learn that from people who specialize in it. And it really is meant to give people a deeper framework for doing this work ethically. And then the fourth, fourth module is all about building um, a pricing structure and coaching on money with an ethics-based perspective. And then you get weekly office hours with me. So you can come get coached from me directly. I, the people who showed up every week for office hours, I really got to know their businesses. It was cool. Like I was really able cool. to see how from the way that they started the program to the way that they finished, like what changed for them. Um, so that was amazing. So that, that program, the opportunity to enroll, uh, closes on October 1st. So if you're catching this when it first comes out, otherwise it's coming back in January for Capricorn season. And then I do work with people one-on-one. -on -one. There's an application for that in my Instagram bio. Generally speaking, my one-on-one -on -one practice is largely invitation only. I have a mastermind that's largely invitation only because I have to have a specific, uh, interest in the mission of your business in order mm. to feel like it's worth your money to hire me. Um, but I definitely welcome inquiries and applications. And if somebody is like, well, I heard you and like, I'd love for you to help me. I'm always open to having that conversation. I love that. That's so cool. And what is your Instagram? Where can people find you if they're not familiar or following it's already at Kara Kovacs coaching and, uh, karakovacs.com. And then my podcast, which Emily will be on, uh, we're going to record in just a couple of days is called business, Witch, so you can check that out on all your favorite streaming platforms. Amazing. Okay. Thank you so much. I will link all of that in the show notes for everyone. Um, and yeah, I just want to thank you again. I think we, we covered a lot in an hour, just <laughs> under an hour. Um, and there's like so much more that I'm just like, ah, oh, well maybe unpack it on your podcast so yes everyone go subscribe to business switch podcast as well it's such a good podcast full of like fiery juicy truth bombs so I'm excited for folks who may not be listening over there yet to go check that out as well so thank you so much Kara this was such a pleasure thank you and thank you to all of your audience members hi new friends see you next time see you next time Thanks again for listening today. It means so much to me. If you got any value out of today's episode and you would like to thank me, the best way that you can thank a podcaster is to share, is to subscribe and leave a review. This helps us reach more people as this podcast and this community is still growing. 
Speaking of community, I would love to have you in my completely free community, Let's Decolonize Coaching on Facebook. Come and join us over there. And also make sure to keep in touch on Instagram at Emily Ann Brandt. Thank you again so much for listening and I'll talk to you in the next episode.